Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I want to share with you from this thought this evening, the power in knowing the Father's heart. Father, I give you praise for this moment and I thank you for this teaching, this Wednesday night service. Thank you, Lord, for allowing our ministry to do multiple things on a Wednesday night. I decree it in the future. Financial classes, new members classes, classes for drug addicts, uh, drug addicts. Thank you, Father for teaching discipleship 101, 102, 103. Thank you for ministers training. Thank you for the introduction into new depths and dimensions. I give you praise for unfolding that in our future. I come against all stress levels that are high right now from the tension in the atmosphere. I speak peace to the stress levels of your people. I pray now that our blood vessels would widen and that the blood would flow freely. Even now, let the word come out of my mouth and let it flow freely, unhindered and uninterrupted by, uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. And we will give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress and his children for his children. It will be a refuge. Someone needs to grab that word. The heart of God. I'm talking about the power in knowing the Father's heart. The Bible declares that God is our Father. And our Heavenly Father's heart is for His children. He has our best interest in mind. A father's heart is about the best interest for his children. Remember, love is not self-seeking. Love is always giving. And one of the main characters in the home, the father, and our heavenly father is not self-seeking. He is love. I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to the end of the chapter. But if they can put up the first five in 1 Corinthians 13, verse five, it speaks about love and what love does. The father is love. And so the scripture says, if I speak, verse five, thank you so much. Verse five reads like this. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Now, because Paul is talking about love, we have to look to the origin of where love comes from, the origin of love. And right there in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, they'll put it up on the screen in a moment here. I want you to see it. Whoever does not love God does not 
know, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. So let's look at verse 6 of that same chapter. Because I memorized this, and I would hope that you would memorize the scripture as well. Glory to God. Look at verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God, even knows God. Hallelujah. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I memorized that out of the King James Bible. We got the NIV right now. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And anytime we don't operate in the love principle, we are, we're not displaying God's character. And notice what God does as Paul is explaining, he's, he knows that love comes from God. He says in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13, love does not seek self. This is going to hurt you. I got to hurt you tonight. Love doesn't say where's mine. <laughs> love says what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Now how are you going to help me? How are you going to help me? I thought I married you to help me. Really? What are you bringing to the table? We, table, we need to make sure that we love. And the origin of love, we saw it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, he shows you what love doesn't do. Love never boasts. Love never is self-seeking. It does not seek self or self-interest. It does not dishonor others. It doesn't put people down so they can look nice. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. So you judge your own love. And you'll see that all of us can pump up the volume, pump up the volume of love just a little bit more. All of us can get a little bit more healthy as we demonstrate love or seek to know the Father's love. Thank you, Lord. As I look at this uh, passage uh, and as I look at Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs uh, chapter 14. 1 John chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. I see several things here. First of all, uh, diagnosing a happy heart. Some people are looking for thrills to uh, make the heart happy, but when, we, when there's a diagnostic test for the heart, we need to see, do you have father's love? Father's love does not ignore affirmation or ignore there's a need and you just won't supply it father's love say i see a malady and i'll do something to fix it we need to hook our heart up to the father's love to get that diagnostic test here or analyze to see if you have a happy heart that comes from the father secondly when we go on a quest to know it, we can talk about from these, these passages the impact or the influence of a happy heart. 
Not only should we have a diagnostic test, because a lot of people when I'm preaching, oh, I hope they was here. Oh, I hope they heard this message. This message is for you. You need to judge your heart. See if your heart is happy. Have you analyzed it or not? Are you waiting for someone to bring something to you to get it? Or do you actually have the love of God pumping through it? Number two, impact or influence. When a heart is happy, it will change things around it. I see a glow. I see a glow. When the heart is impacted, it will glow. Glory to God. Now, some glows are short-lived because it doesn't come from the Father. We got to make sure that we're happy in Jesus. Come on, he has made me glad. I'll preach myself happy. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Glory to God. That impact is necessary. The influence that comes from a heart. When the heart juices start flowing, everything worked right. Mind starts working. Cloud is gone. Depression can't stand. And everybody around you starts seeing clearly. Not only should we look at the diagnosing, the diagnosing or the analyzation of a heart and the impact or the influence of a heart through these passages, but we can see the quest for a happy heart. Are you in hot, hot pursuit to have a happy heart? Are you waiting on for somebody to notice you so you'll be happy then? Don't tell me a text won't make you happy. Because it does. But that's not long lasting. You're settling for pennies when you can tap into the treasure. The question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is what? No. Come on, Winans. What are you in hot pursuit of? Notice, if you go after it, you have to release things that's in your hands and solely go after it. James talked in James 1 about singleness of heart. Uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, if you're going after two things, you'll never be able to centralize your focus and grab the one. But God has a way of causing you to rest from those things. Try not to preach right now. But I'm trying to get you to go on the quest or in hot pursuit of a happy heart. When the corners of your heart turn upward, you'll smile. And that's why many people don't have their face saved because they're not happy on the inside. They're waiting on someone to affirm them from the outside and then they'll be happy on the inside. But if you get the love of Jesus on the inside of you and allow God to start working in you, you'll be able to do what others failed at doing. You'll be able to walk on what other people are seeking in. You'll be able to go in some rooms and they won't change your life. And even if you have a bad day, you'll rise up above it. Let's go on the quest in hot pursuit of a happy heart. Let me help you again. Another thing we can talk about is that a happy heart is contagious. It's contagiously infectious. You get around a person that's happy and they start laughing, guess what you're going to do? <laughs> you're going to smile as well. And laughter is like a good medicine. And every once in a while, you need to get around some people who's not making you frown and say, ooh, ooh, ooh. And on the inside, your heart needs to smile. And when that happens, your mouth will follow. I want to take that word quest because I believe all of us are in hot pursuit 
of a brand new day, a brighter day. You are in hot pursuit of a new day. You want a brighter day in your life, in your personal, in your ministerial, and in your spiritual. You want a brighter day. You want to smile sometimes. You want to wake up uh, and say, you know what? It's a good day. Instead of, I got to deal with that again? <laughs> we need to move beyond that. We need to be in a place where the heart is happy. The word quest is unique. If the word quest means an act or an instance of seeking or pursuing something, the act or the instance, the act, the daily act or the instance one time of seeking or pursuing something, to go on a search, to pursue it with the intent of capture, to, to pursue it in the intent of capture. Now, many of us have that capture, subdue spirit on us. That is, we want to go for the new job, the new position, but when you got it, you don't have the tools to maintain it. That's why prep preparation is the lost art in this generation. Preparation is so needed. And if you don't prepare properly, you'll have sad memories of lost opportunities. The opportunity will walk right by you, by you just like a parade, and you'll be standing on the sideline waiting on it because you wouldn't prepare yourself. The quest, the word quest means to go into hot pursuit, to say, I want something. I want to do it. I want to get it done. Well, David says something in Psalm 27 in verse four. One thing I asked, desiring, I asked or desired of the Lord that which I that this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All of the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, there's a reason this is a broad man. This is not just a person who knows how to make love and knows how to play music and knows how to do a few things. This is a man who can write. This is a man who's a poet. This is a man who's a king. This is a man who's a prophet. This is a man who's a priest and he can fight and he can hook off on you. And this man says, if I'm going to be successful with all of these tools that most people don't have, I need to be able to focus on one thing. Glory to God. If I say, what is the priority in your life? Please don't tell me, is it to be rich? It's to be, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be recognized. Please tell me if you want to pursue wisdom. Please tell me you want to learn how to please God. Please tell me you want to learn how to worship. Because the God that invested in this man, all of these things, loved him because he was a worshiper. One thing I desire the Lord, when he was 17, he was laying on his back with a harp, playing songs, singing songs unto the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my mind. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies come against me, my foes seek my life. God delivers me from them all. Ah, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
One thing. If you start getting focused on the one thing, he'll add the many things. Women, you don't have to be a virtuous woman at first, but if you seek him, he'll add seven times to you. If you seek him, he'll broaden everything you need. You don't have to be the strongest man in the house, but seek him, he'll start opening up stuff. You may slow down in your walk, but you'll speed up in your intellect. Ah. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Bobby McFerrin wrote a song years ago. Don't worry. Be Don't worry, be happy. You know why? He found out millions of people around the world, not the best thing in the world, millions of people around the world found out something is there. When you got a happy heart, things shift. And people can't make you happy. You got to get with God. And he'll start shifting your heart. He'll put around, put, put people around you that can pump up the volume or the word volume so you can get your heart shifted in the right dimension. Can somebody say amen? amen. amen. A secular group called Journey sung a song years ago, Foolish Hearts. Foolish Hearts. Heed my warning. Stop before you start falling. Foolish Hearts. You've been wrong before. Don't be wrong anymore. You can't trust just heart. That heart has to be submerged in the presence of God. That heart will beat after things that will kill you. That heart will go take you on tracks. You look back over your shoulder. My God, what's going on? That's why even the Bible says count up the cost in your heart before you build a building. Because if you don't divorce yourself from the emotional side. You may start trying to build and never able to finish. Don't trust the heart. Scripture calls it foolish. The heart must be bathed, saturated. It must be saturated with the presence of the Lord. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. Put the heart under the blood fountain. There must be a place where you come to the end of yourself. And stop saying I've always been this way. Listen. There's redemption. And with redemption, we can start all over again. Thank you, Lord. There is an incessant war and hot pursuit for this battleground. George Myers put out a, a book years ago, The Battlefield of the Heart. I want to add to that. The enemy is in hot pursuit for the usage. For the usage. In hot pursuit of the usage. The usage of vacant space within the heart, within the walls of a man's or woman's heart. The enemy is looking for vacant space. We always hear that an idle mind or an idle heart is, is the devil's playground or workshop. I like to add to that an idle mind tempts the devil. He could be going in one direction, look at you with nothing there, he'll stop. And come back to you and pack stuff in you. You'll be feeling all kinds of things because you didn't pack anything in it. When was the last time you read a book in the Bible? When was the last time you meditated on the word? When was the last time you read a book? When was the last time you put something inside of you? When was the last time you had tea or coffee with someone that can stimulate that brain cell? If there's nothing there, it will tempt the devil. I'm in my 50s and I'm still learning. 
I'm in hot pursuit of the knowledge of God. Not only that, but I broaden it. I can talk about politics. I can talk about finance. I can talk a little bit about sociology. I can talk about what's happening. Politics is the persuasion. It's the power of persuasion. I can talk about certain things and I have a vocabulary that's deeper than some. I wouldn't say most, but deeper than some so I can understand. Even if not, I'm not in the conversation, I'm not in the blind. I can tell. I can tell where a person is going with it or if they're misinformed. And when you broaden yourself that way, you become more relevant. So God wants us to broaden ourselves. And if you're not preaching, what are you reading? Read the Bible first and then let God direct you in the certain books that you need to be a part of. But all of us should be in hot pursuit of the knowledge of God. So we can feel the empty space. There's an incessant war. A hot pursuit for the usage of vacant space within the walls of your heart. It is our Heavenly Father's desire to exchange the, this earthly, fleshly heart of ours to his new heart field. His new heart filled with love. His peace. Filled with his purpose. God wants... His love flowing through you, his purposes flowing through you, his will flowing through you. Watch this, even his nature flowing through you. The word of the Lord is yea and amen, 24-7. His spirit is always out for your best interest. And if we had more of God's purpose, more of God's love, more of his will, more of his nature, more of his word, more of his spirit in us, the enemy can't pack depression in us or anger in us. All of that is smoothed out. Thank you, Lord. The word purpose, please take notes. It means the intent, uh, the reason or intent for doing anything. So if you really had the purpose of God inside of you, you would ask yourself, what is the reason why I'm doing what I do? And what is the purpose, the reason or intent, the reason or intent of doing anything. And if you can describe that, you've given it purpose. If there is no purpose, you shouldn't do it. If it's just make me feel good, you shouldn't do it. If it's I just need to get out, you shouldn't do it. If it's not going to have a reason or intent, you shouldn't engage in it. Only the things that have purpose. That's why believers all around the world should always be busy and totally preoccupied. We need to be busy and totally preoccupied with God's agenda. I think in Genesis chapter 2, it speaks of that. We need to be totally and uh, uh, preoccupied with God's agenda for our life. Do you know it? Do you know it? Well, some people believe that we're, our agenda is to give thanks in all things because this is the will of God. That's a portion of it. But it's really to let your light so shine, to become a part of God's nature and character, to reflect the very image of Christ in the earth. Glory to God. All things work together for the good. All of things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. To those who are the called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he predestined, this is Romans 8, to be conformed into the image of his son. What God wants for us to do is to look more like Jesus every year. In the way we deal with people, our disposition, 
the way we handle situations to make sure that we're guiding people toward the light, not blocking the light, but even to reflect the light to them. Genesis 2 and 15 again. I want to put it up so you can see it. The, Genesis 2 and 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Look at the word. To work it and to take care of it. So every man should have a job. And rule. Please don't marry somebody that's just laid back and fine. Please don't listen to all the junk. I just don't like to work. You know, I just don't like to work. You know, I didn't like the way my boss talked to me. I don't like all of that. So I quit. <laughs> Please get lost. Find somebody that can hang in with. This is what happens when a person has a job. God uses the difficulty of rising up in the morning to create consistency. And also to empower the person with money so they can take care of responsibility. And I could keep going on. Consistency, responsibility, and everything, everything else. And if you don't have no flow, you don't need no woman. And it needs to be the right way. Anybody can go out there in the street and get a flow. Ain't no character with that. You can't trust that. You need somebody who gets up every day. And if you're going to start a business, start a business. So God can create character on the inside of you. And if you're not responsible about self, how can you take on a family? God is trying to prepare men to take on responsibilities. I'm preaching better than you all to saying amen. Thank you, God. We need to be preoccupied with God's business, his agenda, and that's why children should always be busy, totally preoccupied with God's agenda, God's thoughts, and his ways. Glory to God. What we've done since we got iPhones and stuff like that is to put these phones in the hands of kids, and they're watching movies that they shouldn't see at age seven and practicing it while you sitting there singing Kumbaya. I'm here to tell you, I've been saying this stuff since 2007. It was open to me. The day of the tear. Young people are growing way too fast. They have too much knowledge. They're starting to question even those that have great beards now because they know they got Google. We need to get to a point in the name of Jesus where we're getting the heart of God, the heart of the Father. There's a power in knowing God's heart. You won't get that unless you spend time with You'll never know a person's heart if you don't spend time. Write it down. You were created to worship. You were created to worship. And lead others in the same direction. Not only were you created to worship, you're supposed to use God's heart that makes your smile to influence others to do the same. You were born to worship. You weren't born to work on the job that you have. You weren't born to do all of the stuff that you may love that and that's great. But you were born to worship God. And when you get in that zone, you'll begin to understand because he will start talking to you. You were created to win, to have dominion. But you weren't wired coming out of your mother's womb to lead, to win or have dominion independently of our God and our Father. You weren't created. He put stuff in you innate, but he never intended for you to go after it, 
to get it done, to make sure it's there and secure independently of him. So get back. Get back to the heart of worship. So many of us are on a quest to find the key to happiness, the key to winning, seven the seven most effective ways to become successful. We want a key. We want all of these keys so we can do stuff. But God never intended for you to lead and take dominion, being independent of him. He wants us to be interdependent with him. One thing I've noticed as I uh, ride along the parkway and, and walk in the marketplace and minister to people on a daily basis and encounter folk at the gym is people are just tired. I hear it all the time. I'm so tired. <laughs> You're too young to be tired, uh, little woman. You're too young, sir, to be that tired. But there are people all around. That's what they're saying. I'm so tired. I know we're wretched and I know that we're wired and wounded. And I know we're sad, but I found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I've been in the church too long. <laughs> Glory to God. People can do that. When they do that, everybody, that's right. You know what? He has made me glad. Glory to God. See, we're wretched and weary, wounded and sad. But I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad. Thank you, Lord. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. That's right. Go home and sad as a, a south pickle. Sad like you just ate lemons. Sad because you can't flow. God wants you to be happy after the message is over and after you leave the church service and after the preacher wines and dines you. God wants you to be happy when you're driving down the parkway and tears are flowing down your eyes because he touched your heart in a special way. When you heard a song, he moved you. When you thought of the goodness of Jesus, he moved you. When you look at your kids thriving or suffering, it moves you and you pray for them and watch God bring them out more than a conqueror. That should make you Glad. <clears throat> the psalmist says, Hide the word in my heart that I will not sin against you. Because when you know the Father's heart, there's power to mend yours. So hide the word in my heart. Make me thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Give me in. Instruction. Before I close, let's look at three keys in pursuing the Father's heart. Write it down first. You need a walk if you're going to pursue the Father's heart. Secondly, you need the work to be done if you're going to pursue the Father's heart. And third, you need the word, the word of God. I'm going to add to that worship if you want to pursue the Father's heart. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, as we deal with the walk, we must pursue. This is Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, the Living Bible. 
Okay. Put it up in the NIV. For a man's heart determines his speech. Look at this. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The King James says it like this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart determines speech. The condition of one's heart determines what comes out of your mouth. And whatever's in your heart in abundance will eventually come out of your mouth. You must, you must lessen the abundant flow or that thing that's packed in your heart that's evil. Hurts, setbacks, and memories and pack in word. Because you have the power of speech and you have life and death in the power of your speech or in the power of your tongue. And a lot of times when you have things in your heart that's not right, you'll start speaking things that's bringing evil to your own house. And that's why we got to pack our hearts with the Rx for the disease and not that which causes the disease to spread. The word is the only remedy, for it is alive. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates into another dimension. It is also able to referee. It's able to tell you when you're out of bounds and when you're in tr on track. And so if you don't have a word in you, you'll think you're okay because of the way you feel. But the word will tell you you're out of bounds on this one. And when the word says you're out of bounds, you need to get back in bounds. Get back on the saddle. Your heart will tell you it's all right. Feel that way. Word will challenge you. Don't do that. That's way too mean. That's way too selfish to say that. And if you don't have that referee on the inside and you just follow him in your heart, you're going to miss God. Your walk it's so important. Remember, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It determines the speech. Speech will give direction to your feet. Ah, James says these things ought not be so in James chapter 3. Because as a little rudder on the back of a boat can turn the whole vessel. Ah, so does your tongue. Ah, so does your tongue turn the course of your life. Slowly but surely. And if you want to turn it in the right direction, you need the word coming out of you. And it will turn your life in the right direction. Just like a small bit is put in the horse's mouth. The horse is stronger than the man. But if the bit is in his mouth and he pulls up, it makes the horse say, I can't run. And he's able to take the horsepower and control the horse to do the things he wants it to do. Like it is with your tongue. It is a world of iniquity. And if you use it to speak hate and use it to speak discontentment, all you're going to do is breathe it in your life. But if you want to turn things back to God, hallelujah, get a word in your heart, hallelujah, and you'll see things turning back to God. I see stuff turning back to God. I see stuff that's been dormant coming alive again because you're speaking the word, not the problem. 
not the malady, not the enfeebling, but you're speaking the truth which is in the word of God out of the love of God. Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your walk determines your effectiveness, the effectiveness of your worship. So if you want your worship to go higher, you got to watch your feet. And you can't watch your feet if you're speaking negative words. You'll be going around in circles. How we walk, the right wiseness, the right wiseness, the righteousness of God. Where we walk, the frequent visits, and when we walk, the sensitivity, knowing when to say no, or maybe I just need to hold up, and timing is key. How you walk, where you walk, when you walk, are all key. If it's raining down hell, I'm not going to walk outside. I'm talking about cool hail. If it's hailing, I'm not going outside. If it's raining fire, I'm not going outside. If there's a hurricane, I'm going to try to get secure. If there's lightning, I'm not going to be on the phone. If I'm driving, I'm going to make sure I wear a seatbelt. How you walk is important. When you walk is important. Where you walk is important. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel. Walks not in the counsel of the young God. Nor stand, nor sits. Guard your guidance. Don't let everybody guide you. Everybody's in your ear. Anybody can say something you think is God. No. It must be biblical. Are you that lacking of affirmation? And anybody can say something to you and you're jumping after it. You need to make sure your feet are watch that. Guard your guidance. Put your feet down. Get a word in you. You'll be stable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Glory to God. When I think about the walk, I always think about the faith of Enoch who walked with God until he was not. You couldn't see him anymore. And we can walk with God until we're really transformed by the renewing of our mind. The faith of Enoch was so unique. And we have one right here. Oh, he was here. I took Nick with me to, to Israel. And when the Jews heard his name, Enoch. Oh, it was like Enoch has come back. I was like, whoa. They invited him to their homes, everything. He was crying, man. They were kissing him on the cheek. Enoch has come home. You're always welcome. You can come to our home. Enoch. They didn't invite me, though. Man, I was just standing there looking, man. But I was smiling on the inside because everything don't have to come to you. I told you, if you have a, a hurting heart, everybody around you kind of be stumbling. When your heart is full of the Father's love, everybody around you starts smiling too. As long as God put a smile on his face, I'm all right. Thank you, Lord. Bible says God took uh, Enoch, but before he was taken, he had this testimony that he walked with God. We also see the faith of Abel. The faith of Abel. 
who offered a better sacrifice, you see it in Hebrews 11, than Cain, his brother. It wasn't because it was better, it's because God wanted it. He gave God what he wanted. A lot of people want to give God what they think he, he, he wants. He says, I want a blood sacrifice. You can't bring in fruit now. Well, take my mistakes for love. If he requires a blood sacrifice, then bring in what he wants. Amen. God is very strategic. And read the book of Leviticus and you'll see. When he requires something, he wants it. He wants it wholeheartedly. And you got to give it to him. Don't give him no, no stuff that you think is a substitute. He's not about that. One of the reasons why he rejected Saul as king is because he told him to go down and destroy this particular nation. Everything. Even the animals. I'm wiping them out. They are not right. These people have practices and things and they're doing stuff that they, their stench has reached heaven. And he's, I'm going to cause you to rain down judgment on them. Plus, they attacked my people when they came out of, out of Egypt. And I didn't forget it. That's basically what God was saying. So Saul goes down there, an egocentric, taller than everybody else, full of flesh, and say, well, I'll do what I want to do. I can bring back these animals and offer it to him, offer it to him because the people told me to do it. And as leaders like that, influenced by people around them versus finding what did God say and then dealing with things based on what he says and the principles that you learn, all emotional. And you breed a whole nation of emotional people, not people of principle. When Samuel said, what are you doing here? What, are you do what is the sound I hear behind you? The bleeping of sheep. He said, well, I thought we could offer them unto God. What do you mean? Obedience. It's better than any sacrifice. Give God what he wants. If he makes it clear to you, give him what he wants. If he says, ask for forgiveness, stop trying to say, but they didn't. And you say, forgive me. And mean it. And you'll start seeing God work in your life. Thank you, Lord. For a minute, we're going to look at the work. The work came from Noah, who built an ark for the saving of his house. While the world was in chaos. He did what God was telling him to do. Remember the walk, the work, and the word. What are you putting together for God? What are you activating? All month long, we're talking about acts of service. Who did you help this month? Who did you help them to put the groceries in their car? Wear your mask. Who did you help? Sometimes people just need a smile or a hello or how are you? Protect yourself, but you can still help people. Thank you, Lord. I was in a meeting on yesterday. A young man came to me. I believe I saw something in his heart uh, that was powerful. The name was Adam. I said, wow, what a name. Come to find out he's in ministry of a different color or persuasion. I said, put your hand on my shoulder. And I prayed for him, and he received it. And I commissioned him while he was standing. To change his world. And to be wise. Not just a powerful preacher. Stop looking at people trying to mimic them. You don't have that kind of anointing. God wants to bring you up and raise you up to be effective in your zone. If you copy me, you'll be a duplicate of me. And there's only one in the earth. But he made you a designer's original. You'll never know that until you start getting your heart right. Thank you, Lord. A lot of people are mimicking what they see on television. They saw a rapper do it. Oh, they think it's original. It's nothing new under the sun. The only thing that's fresh, vibrant, and dynamic is when God makes you an original. 
Noah built the ark for the saving of his house. Nothing external in this world should affect our work. And he had a lot of people telling him it wouldn't work. But you know what he did? did? He kept building. I want to encourage you to keep building your character. Take the building blocks from last experience, bring them into this one, and keep building the foundation. Make sure it's sure. Glory to God. If the foundation, this is Psalm 11, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You've got to make sure you always have a sure footing. Don't get married. Don't change churches. Don't go out of your city and move into a different city if you don't have a good foundation in the word. Glory to God. Get the instruction and then build. People are trying to work, but they don't have any instruction. And I like to say if repetition of working is the mother of skill, then instruction is the father. And consistency is the incubator. I say again, if, if, if repetition is the mother of skill, the father of skill has to be instruction. And it is consistency that incubates the new move. Nobody should expect to be in the kingdom, elevated to anything, and you're not consistent in giving, attendance, initiative, making sure you do what you do, being on point, study, and all of that. Why would you expect to be promoted and you don't ever show up? It doesn't even make sense in the natural. And God, it doesn't make sense to him either. A rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what do I do to inherit the kingdom? He said, go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. You'll find treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. He turned away because he had great possessions. There are people, all they see is material things. They don't see that the best things in life are for free. The best things in life, the best moments don't cost nothing. The best. It don't take a whole lot. You don't have to spend 3000 You don't have to go around the world. You'll be tired when you get back. You can go on a walk. You can go around the corner. If you got the right attitude, you'll be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. The last one is the word. Proclaim it. You must proclaim it. The word was never designed to remain in your mind. It must be spoken. Glory to God. It must be released. Glory to God. I like this. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 35 to 37, the good man bring good things out of the good store up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they spoke. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your own words you will be condemned. Please get this in your spirit. If you don't have anything good to say, get quiet. That don't mean you stay quiet because the word is voice activated. 
You can't stay quiet. I'm just going to stay quiet. That is not the believer. You got to face the opposition and speak to it. You don't have to yell or scream, but you got to be consistent. <laughs> you got to be consistent. You got to be consistent. You got to teach like teachers. Think about teachers this year. Teaching the same principle every day. Been doing it for 25 years because they know it takes a little while before you catch it. I told you yesterday two times two is four. Why did you get three? Well, I'm going to teach it again today. Two times two. Look at this again. Is four. That's it. That's what happens in raising up people. I wish all of you could have a chance to walk with me because you look at me preach and you say, what's up? Walk with me for a day with the bishop and you see what I do and what I deal with and see what happens. You think this is glamorous, but it's not. On this side of the tracks, you got to make sure you got it. And you have to have faith like you wouldn't believe. You can get it because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you must speak to the darkness. When I was called into the ministry, there was no pulpits. So I preached on my job at night. And I was preaching hard in the darkness. Looked up and saw a deer standing over there looking at me like. One time I was preaching, saw a bobcat walking in the shadows. One time I was preaching, looked over and heard a sound as a gator in the lake or in the canal. Big one. A whole lot of mosquitoes was listening to me too. A whole lot of them. Bzz, bzz, bzz. They were saying amen. Bzz, 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 bzz. But God used all of that to perfect me. That's why when the pandemic comes, I can still preach for an hour and don't lose my train of thought. You know why? Because it's through the trials that he sharpens and polishes you. You want to get past it and just step on the mountain. But when you get there, you'll be short-sighted. It is the climb that prepares you for farsightedness. Thank you, Lord. That's why I celebrate everything that you've gone through. And you need to clap your hands for everything that you've gone through. You need to give God glory for everything that you've gone through. God uses it to transform you now in the name of Jesus. Last but not least, Proverbs 4 and 23, above all else, guard your affections, your heart. With all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Glory to God. The Living Bible says, for they influence everything else in your life. That heart, your mind, your soul influences everything in your life. And listen, my friends, if you can ever help someone to correct their heart, it will influence everything else in their life. If you ever can help them to correct their heart, pack it with word, um, unpack mess and unnecessary things like bad memories and issues. Even learn how to forgive self. Thank you, Lord, and God will bless you. I ministered the word of God about knowing the power in knowing the Father's heart. Know that he loves you. You need to know that, that he loves you and that he's intended to guard you, to protect you from all of the ills that are trying to get into the empty space or behind the walls of your empty heart. Sometimes life will hit us in a way that separates us from knowing or sensing the love of God 
or even love in the earth. But you're not done yet, my friends. God still loves you. And he's put something in me. I love you, too. I do. I love the people of God that are here. And I love the people of God that are connecting. And I want you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. His word declares it. Amen. He wants you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. This is the heart of God. He loves his children. He has his children's best interest at heart. He does not seek self. He is not easily angered. He's not mad at you. He wants the best for you. So go through the diagnostic. Let someone, let the word analyze your heart and show you where it is. The impact that you can bring to a family, a community, when your heart is happy is amazing. God gives a happy heart influence. Go in hot pursuit for a happy heart. The quest for a happy heart. Didn't know that the heart is contagious. A happy heart is contagious. It's infectiously contagious. Amen. I would just know that when I step on a room, things change. Anytime somebody comes to me for counsel, I always tell them it will never be the same. When you get through with this, either it's going up or going straight down. It won't be the same. I guarantee you that, that that's the anointing that I have. And my heart is happy. It's happiest when it smiles. Hadn't always been happy, but I'm grateful for the smile that's in my heart. And God wants you to smile. Amen. He wants you to be able to make it. Elva Tons, how you doing? That's right. That's a bad girl. Snuggle puffs. Quest for a happy heart is so important. Glory to God. God loves you and he blesses you. Father, I give you praise for the, the heart of the Father and the power in knowing your heart. I pray that you would even reveal it. You want our tongues to be used of you, our minds to be set aflame by you. You want our hearts to smile. You want us to grow. You want us to experience wisdom, this wonderful force that you put in the earth. You want us to be prudent in all things, sagacious, wise. Thank you, God, for helping us to adhere to wise counsel. Thank you for creating a song in our hearts, giving us a mantra when we're going through. A tune that will help us to march through it. I pray that even in the valley, the heart will smile. And even in the darkness, that you would make us glad. That's your heart, Father, is to make our hearts like yours. So let it be. Touch that person that's watching, that person that's listening, that just can't muster enough strength to do it again. Thank you for the push, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the push in the heart arena. Even as Ezekiel prophesied, a new heart will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. 
And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart that can feel. Sometimes the heart, oh God, is so hurt and scarred. It's just hard to beat again. It's stony. But thank you for taking it out and placing it in a heart that can feel. And I just decree that in the name of the Lord. I decree it in the name of Jesus. A new heart and a new spirit. Let it be so in every heart. For those that are watching that are not saved, I pray that you would save them. If you're unsaved, repeat after me. Fathers, I thank you for Jesus. I confess the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. I agree with your word that Jesus died on the cross for me was buried in the tomb for me and rose on the third day all for me i receive you jesus in my soul holy spirit live within me fill me up till i want no more my friends if you prayed this prayer with me you are saved in jesus name please find a bible speaking church you can be a part of this one as well. You can always join Truth Revealed. So send me an email. Send us an email at this address. Connect at truthrevealed.org. And God will bless you mightily. Thank you, Lord. At this time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give and to share gifts with this house. Partner with Merton Clark and truth revealed and become a viable partner by sowing on a regular basis i would like to see seed coming from all 50 states from canada from the caribbean from india from the continents of our world australia i gave a man a bible i didn't know how valuable it was but it was a lamb skin bible and he was from australia and I, I was talking to him and he said, man, that's a nice Bible. I said, you want it? He said, sure. And when it came out my hands, I was, that's my lambskin. But once I gave it, God bless you. I got a lambskin Bible in the continent, in the country of Australia. My God. But you know what? It's more blessing to give than to receive. And I don't begrudge it. I believe God wanted him to have that Bible. Over to God. I was at a, a bookstore that was going out of business and it had this one Bible sitting there. And I said, That's unique. I felt the skin. And the man said, You know what? This has been marked down. We need to get this Bible is like worth like $400, man. I was like, Whoa. And I gave my Bible. Thank you, Lord. I've given so many Bibles away. It's amazing. And uh, every person that gets baptized from this ministry right now, we're giving the Bible. We want you to study and read the word. I would encourage you to get baptized. Tyrell Weaver called me up and said, Bishop, I'm living in Georgia, but I'm coming home to be baptized. I said, son, you can come home. Glory to God. So on the first Sunday of the month, he will be taken to the water. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy that our young men are coming back, giving their heart, making sure things are right. God bless you, Tyrell. And we're going to have a Bible for him to make sure he reads the word. Amen.
for his grandfather's sake, for his father's sake, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For his mama's sake. So get ready to sow. You can text to give as well. Uh, they should have had it on the screen while I was talking. Text to give. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Send that in 833-625-5698. You want to text Trim Give to that number. God will bless you. I love you. Appreciate you. This concludes our services. Uh, it's a little, a little different from the past. Uh, we don't do a lot of formal things, but we're going to let you go. I want you to tune in same time, same place, Eastern Standard Time next week for another word from the Lord. Remember us as we bury our dead. Remember the ones who are sick and sick and shut in. And just continue to pray that God will continue to bring us through this pandemic. We love you. We look forward to seeing you on this weekend. Lord, bless and keep. Cause your face to shine. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you this weekend. God bless you. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.